Hi humans, welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. My name is Lauren. And I'm Adam. On this podcast, we want to help start or continue conversations about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of a lot of our traditional ways of thinking. We're learning to deconstruct the religious lenses we once saw the world through, breaking down topics like purity culture, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like feminism, equality, and love. Stepping away from our evangelical church background, all the while leaning into God and moving forward in our faith. We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, on to the episode. How is little Valentine? He's good. Yeah. He's so cute. He is so <laughs> cute, honestly. He's such a cute baby. Not all babies yeah. are that cute, too. On it. <laughs> like, and that's like real talk, but your baby's I mean, very cute. I do. I like know that I have no objective view of him like it's just gonna be like the most amazing thing ever right. so i have a friend that thinks all babies are really ugly and she was like okay i give him like a six <laughs> hey everybody welcome back to the podcast today we have brenda marie davies also known as god is gray she is a YouTuber and podcaster advocating for sex-positive, intellectual, and affirming Christianity. She is a very important person in my life and so many others, and we are so honored to be speaking with her today. Brenda, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. So before we dive in, for those of you who may not um, know, uh, could you just give us a little bit of your background and how it led you to podcasting and starting your YouTube channel? Yeah, the um, the quickest version of the story is that I was, um, I had a long journey of my own, which I've been very open about on the God is Great channel. But um, when I went through deconstruction and then reconstruction, I had realized that I basically had source materials for a book and I really wanted to share my experiences. So I wrote this memoir and I was trying to get it published because I knew, I didn't think it was like the most common experience, but I knew and believed that it would resonate with the patch of people that had been affected by purity culture and modesty and like yeah. all of the toxic doctrine we'd been fed. So I was in that process and I kept reaching out to publishers and they'd be like, oh, we really love your writing, but there's no audience for this. Mm. So I ended up kind of like laughing that off and being like, oh, yes, there is. And I was like, I'm going to prove it. (laughs) So, so I went on, you know, line and I looked for sex positive churches or, you know, affirming churches or, you know, all these things that I'd come to. I, for some reason, even though I'd stepped out of the church, I kind of assumed that there had been some progress made in my absence. Yeah. (laughs) Um, instead I, I found myself on YouTube. That wasn't a platform I was familiar with at all, but I found, you know, young white blonde girls, just like me talking about these same things that had made my life basically a living hell for so many years. They were talking about how, you know, if you have a spaghetti strap showing, God knows what a boy will do. And and they know, were talking being, about like advocating for that, you're saying? like Yeah, like they were, it was the same thing. That evangelical right. um, 
Perpetuating. modesty, all of it, anti-LGBTQ. And, you know, it's in this very, like, non-threatening environment. You have, like, these really sweet, cute young people smiling at you from the other end. And I knew for a fact that they didn't even comprehend the toxicity of what they were saying. Right. Um, my breaking point was that I found this girl talking about how she needs to trust God with everything and therefore God is her birth control. Oh. And... <laughs> I lost my damn mind. I was like pacing around the house, like screaming. Yeah. And still, I didn't think I'd start a YouTube or anything, but I have been pretty open about this. I had a very um, psychedelic slash mystical experience with God where I was sitting on my living room couch with my partner, who I now have a baby with. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time, we were just friends with benefits. (laughs) And... um, And I just like all of a sudden picked up my computer and wrote 60 different things that I felt like I could talk about if I had my own YouTube. Mm -hmm. And when I snapped out of it, I looked at my partner, David, and he was like, where did you go? And I was like, I have an idea. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So that was the beginning of God is Gray. I just never, I never thought YouTube or podcasting would be a platform for me. But now it's really morphing into all these dreams that I've had for a long time to interview people. I want to travel. Like I can see it kind of opening all these possibilities. And now I have a book deal for that memoir. Oh my so gosh. it kind of came. Yeah. <laughs> it came full circle. You're like, hey, <laughs> let me just prove to you that there are people that actually care. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, proved it. Great. Yeah. So was was that your first book you had written? And you just kind of had this idea that it was something that needed to be out there? Or had you already kind of dabbled in writing before? Well, the funny thing is, I um, resonated so deeply with these other sweethearts on YouTube, because I was one of them. I was the girl that was praying on the front lawn at school and taking everyone making fun of me as like, taking up my cross and being brave mm, for God. Right, right. I was arguing with my biology teacher about evolution. I made an, yeah. uh, an art project called Abortion, which was a paper mache woman wow. nine months pregnant with a gun to her belly. Oh, wow. Um, so I was like, you know, hook, line and sinker for all of that. And therefore, I really understand when they're, where they're coming from. And at the time, too, I was sharing myself on MySpace because I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) And that was my platform in that moment. Right. Um, And I I look back at those entries and I was, you know, I had the same belief system that these people do. And I I myself was spreading a lot of that toxic theology. Right. Um, so that said, my writing was actually impacting people at that time. I actually had a really big following on MySpace for my writing. Yeah, but cool. that's when I was kind of like girl defined. Right. <laughs> I really sure. was, you know, them. Yeah. Well, um, so to give you a little background on us, we've been in the had been in the Christian music industry for about ten years. So um at the beginning of my career, I was also that as well. And so it's it's a weird thing to kind of look back on and like remember the things that I once said. I never like I never did the chewing gum example situation of like, you know, yeah. if you have sex, you have to chew up bubble gum. But I did we, we did like talk about and use the message of like, you know, what you what you put out is what you get kind of messaging, which mm. I now now uh, do not resonate with and align with, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's very strange to like see yourself because you said you were like on basically we're like front line of 
uh, basically perpetuating purity culture to now like showing the toxic messages that are in purity culture. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, I could definitely resonate with that. And you said you want to travel, you know, with God is great. And what does that, what does that look like for you? What do you, what do you want to do with travel? Well, I don't know. I mean, one of my favorite things about God is Gray and what's happened is it's always been really important to me. And I felt like it was an imperative with the messaging that God was giving me to make it an empowering platform for people that it wouldn't be about Brenda Marie Davies, that it's Mm -hmm. about each and every one of you listening, Yeah, that you're really ingesting these messages and taking them on for yourself and becoming who you need to be. And, um, and I've noticed people really taking that on and even starting their own podcasts and YouTube channels yeah. or writing or making music. And it's so beautiful to watch people actually take the message on for themselves. That said, it's in 39 countries or maybe more at this point. And I do not resonate with uh, on online spaces. Like I... <laughs> Again, I'm old AF and I really like human to human communication. Right. So I just really look forward to, you know, having meetups all over. And yeah, I also am very passionate about sex ed. So I have this right. fantasy slash tangible goal of um, going to churches, youth groups, et cetera, and teaching sort of a new take on sexual ethic and how Christians can really do that um, while ditching purity culture. And yeah. I kiss dating goodbye and et cetera, right. et cetera. Because you can't just take away, like if you just take away messaging or education or education, meaning like they're in youth groups, you know, they have purity culture as the tool that they use to talk about sex. And if mm-hmm. you take away that and don't replace it with anything, then you have nothing and that's not any better. And so, yeah, yeah. I think that's really cool. I think pe- yeah. I think people are really there right now. Um, and this like in between because, you know, Joshua Harris denounced his book and right. demanded it that be not printed anymore. Yeah. And that's beautiful. I commend him for that. Um, but there are a lot of people that are pushing back against that and are like buying up copies to make sure there's enough oh, wow. to go around still. And I think it's just that, I mean, again, I always talk about God speaks against fear over 90 times in the Bible. Right. Fear is our true enemy. And yet we've created this whole sexual ethic based on fear. And I think that uh, people, like, they're not bad people that are perpetuating these ideas. But there is this belief that if we lose fear, then people will have Mm -hmm. no sexual ethic. That there has to be some threat of either hell or pregnancy or everything in between, you know? Right, yeah. But I really believe that fear is is not a foundation for an ethic at all. No, yeah, I agree. And I think the 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 teaching of the heart is deceitful above all else is that's kind of like where everybody points to when it comes to like not questioning and not changing the narrative because yeah. you know that that would be trusting intuition or, or your emotions or your gut and you know a lot of christian teachings conservative cr- christian teachings anyway teach that and that's like keeps everybody in check in line subjugated yeah Yeah, exactly in a very it's incredibly manipulative yeah and but you know I'm getting to a point I'm I just had the God is great two-year anniversary on Valentine's Day yes congrats by the way thank you thank you um but yeah I think that you know in the beginning I was like dipping my toe in and I was a little more 
nervous. I, I knew the whole script. Christians that want to have like dissent against progressive Christianity, mm. they have a script of like four things. They're like, well, here's the six Bible verses against homosexuality. And here's this one Bible verse about your heart being deceitful uh-huh. to get, to make you like subjugate you to these ideas. And here, you know, I just know their whole script for everything because I lived it and I right. was part of it, which gives me an edge that I am really grateful for because I feel like I understand exactly where they're coming from and I can mm. speak to that. But I'm at this point where I'm like, you know, I'm really, really, really dissatisfied with you plucking one to four Bible verses, throwing at me and trying to justify all of these things, you know, female right. submission and anti-LGBTQ rhetoric and women must be silent. It's just like, you're going to need to give me more than a couple of verses if you want to keep telling me that. And the heart is deceitful above all things taken out of context is not satisfying to me anymore either. Right. Like, give me more right. or let's have a conversation. Exactly. Mm. Which is what you do a lot and uh, which I yeah. love. I love. And because you're, you're kind of in the forefront of progressive Christianity, do you feel obligated to speak up for everybody in every cause or do you feel like you still get to speak on what matters to you most? Because, I mean, I'm sure it can be a lot to carry the weight of all the world's problems, if so. <laughs> I mean, the way, when you said the weight of the world's problems, I think of my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> and yep. that is so overwhelming. And I finally, like, it said 99 plus for about six months now. Oh and I'm gosh. so overwhelmed. And I kept having on my to-do list, answer DMs, and I finally feel peace. Like, God is like, that's not your responsibility to, like, unfortunately, like, individual checking in on a daily basis is not where I, that's not where I can be. Yeah. Um, Even though I deeply, profoundly love and appreciate all of those messages and all the people behind them. Yeah. Um, But I told Linda K. Klein, and I know she was on your podcast, Mm -hmm. when I first began... I would have called my journey my prodigal son journey Yeah, uh, because we didn't have the language of deconstruction and reconstruction. Right. I just knew that I had ran away from church because I couldn't take it anymore mm. and that I still remained Christian. And right. I went on this very exploratory, promiscuous, wild adventure. Mm. And then when I started really coming back to center myself, I realized I'd been a Christian the whole time. And then I began that reconstruction. So that said, when I started God is Gray, also the term progressive Christianity didn't exist. So I didn't have any of this. I just used to say to people like, "Um, yeah, I'm Christian, but not like you are used to. And, you know, (laughs) you just have like all of these spiritual, but I'm not religious, you know. Well, and I think giving giving people language for all those kind of things is just so important because, I mean, people talk about all the time how labels are like, there's something that you should be shedding that boxes are that boxes are limiting but i think also there's there's such an importance to be able to say hey this is this is exactly what i'm talking about if you need reference these are the other people that are in this space and so like mm-hmm. i guess technically i fit into that that box or that that label but but i i that's one of the biggest things that we talk about on here is relanguaging christianity so that people can actually digest it outside of outside of that like conservative Christian space where everybody's kind of telling you exactly what you have to believe in the words that you have to use. Yeah, totally. I agree. I think it's very valuable and I would actually challenge the idea that it's a label. I don't feel labeled by it. I feel, um, 
like it's just uh, an ex- an explanation of a journey or like it just right. puts words to what people are going through and doing. It's right. not necessarily a definition of who you are. And I only say that because to me, progressive Christianity, that label is still so expansive. You can still be so many things within that. You can yeah. still, it, to me, it just speaks to an experience of trying to broaden yourself and take yourself out of the usual narrative of Christianity, which is unfortunately, you know, especially in this moment in our politics has become synonymous with anti-LGBTQ and anti-immigration and pro-guns and like all of these things that I do not feel resonant with at all. Right. I really think we're just a group of people that are saying we're not resonating with what Mm. you guys are saying, but we are still Christians. So here we are, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But also to answer your question, when, as far as being overwhelmed, and I hope this will be encouraging for you guys too, and anyone listening, I, when I started the channel, right before I uploaded my first video, I had this vision of a really dense forest. I walked out of the forest and then I wound up in this really huge square field and everything was flat and I just felt very vulnerable for a moment and very alone. But I was standing out there and then in the very, in the distance, I saw this brunette woman step out of the trees and start waving at me. Mm. And then shortly thereafter, more and more people started stepping out of the forest and entering this space. Yeah. And I knew that that meant that while I stood out there thinking I was out there alone, because I, I didn't know of anyone else talking about this stuff at the time. Right that soon someone would like meet me there and I'd see them and we'd resonate. And I told Linda K. Klein, it was her because (laughs) she was the first and she, it was a brunette woman that stepped out of the field and there she was with this book about purity culture that she'd been working on for 12 years. I realized we've been going through this together. We've all been silently on these journeys, but all together and everyone else coming out of the forest is your podcast, Linda K. Klein, Pete Enns, like all of these people. Um, And we're now all standing in this field together, resonating with each other and and speaking out about these issues. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel the weight of the world on me because I know that every single person in that field is speaking to it in a very unique and different way. Like sexuality is probably my greatest passion and embodiment. Um, You know, so when I see other people that want to take on decolonization or... Mm um, masculinity, toxic masculinity, you know, like yeah. that's for them. And I touched on all of those issues, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I love that. I remember hearing that example. I, I think in one of your podcasts, it probably was the one with Linda. I think when you, yeah. you, you painted that picture and I was like, honestly, yeah, that's how, that's how I kind of feel about, um, even the Christian music industry, like more, more specifically, um, like stepping out and being like, okay, like, hello, I know there's more. <laughs> like, I, I've seen you all disappear. So come on out of the forest so we can chat. Like, yeah. let's have this conversation. Um, I know you're supposed to be interviewing me, but I'm so curious because I was actually just yesterday thinking about how we sing, how we've sung worship for so many years. And with our, the um, compartmentalization of body and spirit. And I was yeah. just remembering all of these songs that are basically like, I'm a worthless piece of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And I'm like, why were, why was I 12 years old singing? I'm a worthless piece of garbage. Yeah. Thank you, God. Like, 
I don't think that that's what worship music was ever intended to be, but I'm curious from your perspective, like, did you kind of feel the same way coming out of that? Yeah, definitely. So actually (laughs) our, uh, the podcast that came out today was actually with Grace Baldridge. And, um, (laughs) so she, she and I actually talked on this some too, and we, we, uh, we loved the conversation so much that she ended up coming here to record a episode for State of Grace about the Christian music industry. Amazing. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely. I I worded it, um, worship songs, not all of them, but most of them. The general theme is, oh, but I am a worm. Mm. Oh, but I'm a worm. Um, and <laughs> it's very much like worth from a worthless perspective. <laughs> like yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you basically make so, so nothing out of yourself to raise up. God, you know, it's like almost as if that was like a necessary um, counterbalance that mm-hmm. in in worship music, um, and so yeah, that's that's kind of where we're at in in our lives. We recently have started going to a really open and progressive church here in Nashville, and one of the the things that we talked about is how in worship, I mean, it's really hard to find songs that we can sing and align with. And even songs that we do end up singing, um, we, we, we change some words. So instead of, I couldn't, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. It's, I don't have to earn it because I deserve it, you know, things like that. But it's like, we also are needing more musicians and Christian music that's, you know, got the sonically Christian worship vibes. So you like know when you hear a certain, you know, chord progression in guitar, you know, it's Christian music, (laughs) but you like, you, you hear it and it's like, you recognize that, but with like inclusive and open and loving and progressive and affirming lyrics. And, Mm. um, so anyway, that's actually something that I was talking to Grace about. And I, that's my next like goal, like to achieve, to work on. I have some mainstream music, but I also have, you know, obviously a lot of my Christian stuff that I did for years. Um, I'm wanting to write more that, more music that's not, oh, but I'm a worm. Um, more of I love that. more of God's love and 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 existing in that and being that and mm-hmm. finding it within. And um, but yes. Definitely, that is a general message within worship music. So you're definitely not crazy. That is true of, of a lot of worship music, unfortunately. Yeah. But um, yeah, but being so, you're you're a thought leader on a lot of tough topics. Um, and I was wondering if you feel like you ever have the opportunity to just be human. Like what, what do you enjoy consuming? Cause you know, Adam and I were talking about, you do a lot of creating material and content for other people to learn from consume and, um, you know, learn, learn and be educated and also be entertained. And we're like, well, I want to know like, what, what else does Brenda like? Like, who is Brenda? <laughs> and cause we love God is gray. And that's like how we got this point of contact, but also you're a human being. So is there stuff that you like? Do you watch YouTube videos like morning routines or do you go to concerts? What's, what's like a niche thing that you love? <laughs> well, um, 
This is what I'm excited about with my memoir because I am a girl that like has made a living out of modeling. I live in Los Angeles. Um, You know, I have so many LGBTQ friends and witches and Buddhists and Hindus. And like, I've, I've surrounded by so much diversity of thought and Mm -hmm. orientation and religion. And that is so enriching to me. Like, (laughs) I don't even care if this is controversial. Like my best friend, um, he just had a birthday party and he always wants to do something like wild for it. And we ended up at this like S and M club after hours. And he was like, (laughs) you know, barebacked getting smacked by this dominatrix. And I, and I, I was just thinking of how absurd it is that, you know, certain people would see me in that space and immediately feel like they would be able to label me. Mm. Um, Right. And my spirituality and tell me who I am or who I'm not. Like I'm there giving my best friend love. Right. And, and I, you know, from what I've read in the Bible, Jesus would be there as well. Again, I don't even care if that's a controversial statement. Like I, he was there. Right. Yeah. And also he's in spaces like that by nature. If we all carry the Holy Spirit within us, like he is with us, in us and through us and within and through everyone we meet. Um, Agreed. So, you know, that said, I keep my world really, really big. Like I I kind of, you know, to harken back to the music conversation, like someone on Twitter was talking about like, why does Christian music only have these like four chords and why does it suck so bad? (laughs) And I was thinking to myself like, oh, I don't know, maybe because no one was allowed to listen to secular music. It's actually really dope and amazing. And they had to be confined to this like four chord nonsense. Right. So for me, it's just like, I feel the more expanded my world can be, the more people that I know and the more diverse experiences I'm privy to, the greater and grander my message can be that Mm. I output. And, um, and also I'm a very adventurous person. I love, I love stuff like that. I love meeting weirdos and, you know, doing wild things. I love traveling and, um, you know, I have a bunch of friends that are, French. So I'm just used to like, you know, back in the day when I was really in the deconstruction phase, I really emancipated myself in a lot of ways. And I was like taking nude pictures of photographers occasionally Mm. and just like swimming with my friends in their backyard with no clothes on. And that kind of like set this precedent where I I was like, oh, I'm actually not objectified at all in these situations. And Mm. everyone is actually just so much more calm in those situations. Like, you think you're at a dominatrix club and like everybody's like salivating for sex. I'm like, I think when I'm in church, people are salivating for sex more mm-hmm. than they yeah. were at that club. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And then I love, I, I want to do a video really soon about like what Christians are and aren't allowed to watch because my palette of what I enjoy on television is so wide and far because entertainment and story creates so much empathy and understanding for others. Like, Euphoria is one of my favorite shows, um, for example. And, you know, I don't know. I just like the bigger the world, the more experiences I'm privy to, the happier I am, and the more my content I think can be. Yeah. I love really that. Really wild and fun to share. I feel like that's what keeps you from creating just another denomination of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just keeping it always like growing. Oh, it's like my expanding. worst fear. <laughs> right, right, because that's how, that's what we'll do, right? Like once once you once you create 
deconstructed Christian or whatever as as uh, another sub genre of Christianity. It's all it's going to do is start imposing rules and barriers on people again, rather than than doing what it was initially meant to do and like just be a space where you can question things and grow. Totally. Right. And I think we even need to be like open to that and keep, keep our guard up. Like my main prayer, I've always um, really battled the idea of submission. Mm, same. Um, because same girl, I, same. <laughs> uh-huh. Because I do have a very rebellious spirit mm-hmm. by nature. And then and my dad, for all of the messages that he told me verbally, he would never practice what he preached in that way. He never mm, told right. me to sit down or shut up, you know, like, yeah. So that just wasn't the message I received. I was always been told that I can do and be whatever I want to be without limitation. Yeah. Um, except maybe a priest. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. I feel like you, you embody being human and being a spiritual person as well. And I feel like there is a, we are both and everything can be spiritual or not just depending on where you are. If in either deconstruction or past traumas or hurt or whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you live well of being human and also spiritual, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. And thank you for saying that because it, it ties back into what I forgot that I was saying, which is that um, the idea of submission. I yeah. realized on this faith journey as someone, again, I don't see myself as like the star of this show. I'm simply the voice, the vessel that's being used to like give people these ideas and thoughts and prompt their own spiritual journey. Yeah. So I've... God's really been like whispering to my soul that it submission is actually beautiful. And Mm. what submission is in its truest form is that when you are in a space that's supposedly quote unquote sinful or like where you think you could fall or so you've heard like at a dominatrix nightclub at two o'clock in the morning, Mm. um, it's not about the place that you are at, the people you're around, what you're wearing, who you're with. It is simply about the idea of submission. Are you in submission to the fact that you are a vessel for love? Mm. Are you in submission to the fact that, you know, through that power of love that you can project that and you can be fully confident in who you are, that you don't just have to get like flung around, that if someone that comes up to you and offers you something that doesn't set right with you, that you have enough self-worth and value and you're submitted in a beautiful way enough to your faith, to the honor of your body, spirit, and soul that you know whether or not to say yes or no to something. And like, it's with that confidence that I believe our worlds can stay so expanded and large because I'm not afraid of walking into a space like that anymore because I trust myself. I know who I am. I know what my mission is. I'm and that mission is simply to spread that love as, as cheesy as that can sound. That's really all that it's all about. Right. Yeah. I love that. Obviously my ears perk up anytime I hear the word submission. Cause it's just like, mm-hmm. it's almost, it's almost like a trigger word. Cause you're just like, well, for yeah. me personally, I was just like, that was the one message that I, I just refused. <laughs> well, it ties to- back into the whole message of the whole, like, but I am a worm thing. Like, yeah. It's it, that, that in and of itself is so militaristic. Mm. It's the whole breakdown, the individual build up the team so that you can be controlled and you can be told exactly what to believe and take whatever actions. But instead of the I team, it's like build take. up the system. Right, right. And I, I mean, I understand exactly why you would feel yeah. that, that aversion to submission because that's the entire industry that you were in was in a space that operated on that. 
Right. Exactly. But I think what you just said, like submission being more of like thinking of the word confidence, like confident of the power within to make choices and to be present with where you are. And yeah, that like that makes sense to me. That that Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, if, if you took that as true submission, if that's your definition of it, then you could be so submitted to God, aka so submitted to love and self-respect and the respect of others that you know to walk out of an abusive relationship right. with your husband. Yep. Like yes. that's actually submission. Right. Yeah. Not standing there and taking it. It's the opposite. Mm. And that's what I've seen too. Like the Bible has almost become this inverted text. Like it was meant for the edification and, and beauty of our world. It mm. had a positive, beautiful message and it does. Right. But you know, for whatever reason, there's a dark polarity in the world that always wants to pervert beautiful ideas and, and this beautiful faith that we're a part of. So it's like, of course, the darkness would make us think submission meant mm. you can be maritally raped and there's nothing wrong with that. That right. is like the most extreme but real some, like perversion that we experience because we are battling between these polarities of light and darkness. Right. And, you know, as soon as you go into the darkness where there's sex without consent, you know, right. you can find a Bible verse to justify that because the text really is that ambiguous and open for interpretation that you can make it whatever you want to. And then again, the word submission comes back to me. If you're not submitted to that love and, and love and self-respect of yourself and others, then you can twist that text and we've seen it a million times. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you submitted to? Yeah. That's, that's crazy. I mean, that makes so much sense. It's since, <laughs> since like having having Valentine, um, your little baby. For those who don't know, she had a baby and he's adorable. Um, <laughs> since you've had him, does you know you talked about you being in a very you love to experience life and you like to be around a diverse community. Essentially, has has it ever crossed your mind since you know having him or even when you're pregnant? Um, does having him change your mentality on any of church culture or, um, that sort of community. (laughs) Um, so here's something so trippy that I've just come to the realization of like, for one, having a child is what they say, where you all of a sudden have this, like giving so many less F's attitude. (laughs) (laughs) You're allowed to cuss on here. It's okay. (laughs) Cause you're just like, I'm a mom. Yeah. Get the fuck out of my way. Yeah. You know? Right. And yeah. Um, <clears throat> like, as far as people trying to <clears throat> convince you of things that aren't resonating or telling you you're wrong about things, it's just like, I'm not susceptible to listen to that anymore because I think all of a sudden your purpose becomes grander. You're like, I can take on shame and fear for myself, but now I've got a child to look after and, mm. and I don't want him to take on any shame or fear. Therefore, right. I've got to be that example. Therefore, get out of my way if you're trying to tell me these things. Yeah. Um, but that said, the trippy thing is I was making this terrible, really inappropriate joke. Please don't anyone get triggered or offended. But <laughs> I was very like kind of like joking and being haphazard about my words and, and saying, you know, I would rather throw Valentine into an unmarked van with a white, with a dude, then give him over to a Bible study at like Mm. four years old. Mm. And 
again, I'm sorry if that's triggering or like really raunchy on my end. Like I don't mean it that way, but I only bring it up to say, I kept kind of saying that as the joke, just to like say this extreme thing to present to people how, how much I'm actually afraid of him being like submitted or, or told these ideas that I know have been so irreparably damaging in my life. Right. And again, it's an extreme example, but there's something that I really mean about that. I think an unmarked white van and a Bible study can be irrevocably, incredibly dangerous spaces to just throw your child into and think that everything is going to be okay. Right. I feel so protective over <clears throat> what people could say to my child in that space. That said, my partner is amazing and he's not Christian, but it is the most like spiritually edifying, eye-opening relationship I've ever had in my life. Yeah. And, um, he was telling me, he was like, you know, people, you think scary people are like, you know, your tattooed bald neighbor that's six foot five covered in, you know, tattoos and muscular and whatever. Like you would think you don't want to give him your child over to him, but really the most dangerous people in this world are fear-based and shame-based people. Yeah. And what I mean by that is like, you know, if someone is living in shame, they could be, you know, drinking on the sly Mm. and then you give them over your child over to them because they're like an unassuming woman that you really like care about and she whatever drops the baby or does something like unexpected because of this and I know like I feel like I'm off on a tangent but what I'm trying to explain is that it's like shame that brings people to harm one another right not necessarily like an outward or threat of something right so that to me is what the church space is the church space fills itself with shame and fear about people's bodies and this is why I truly believe all of that repression all of that shame has led to so much sexual assault in the church yeah because people don't know what they're doing with their sexuality they don't know what they're doing with their morality and their ethic because again shame and fear is not a foundation for an ethic right so when you have your child in that space, you, I, you really don't know what people are liable to do because they don't have that ethic. Right. I, when I'm around my secular friends, if I had a friend, you know, like half naked at a pool party, bouncing my baby on her hip, I would feel so much more safe with that because, you know, that's a woman I know who she is and I know mm. what she stands for and, and she knows who she is. Yeah. And you don't get that same confidence with people in church. Right. Unfortunately. And well, it needs to change. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, the thing is with shame, it's like you become prisoner to yourself and you can't you can't be like your mind and your body are like and, and spiritual self and body are completely separated. And there is no freedom in that. And I feel like that that's like where, yeah, I would rather that example, although it's, you know, extreme, I feel like I I resonate and I understand what you're saying there because shame is the most like, you you cannot live a full free life if you're living in shame, which I've experienced myself. You're right. And shame also causes you to do things in the dark. Yeah. Um, you know, when, you know, look at all the repressed gay people that then legislate against gay rights Yep. because they're so full of that shame that they are battling against it, that they're in that self-loathing kind of space. Yeah. And, you know, when someone's sexual ethic is just clear as day and 
I trust them. And the other people, like, scare me not for myself, but for my child. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, mama bear, for sure. And so is then God is great, then your your online faith community, would you say? Um, Yeah, I would, except... It's not fully edifying for me. It's edifying right, right. in that, that I get a lot of clarity and, and so much resonance with people. Yeah. And again, that's why I really can't wait to meet people in real life because I feel like that will be so much more right. um, impactful for me. If, like, please don't get me wrong. I'm so grateful and it is impactful, but um, I do need tangible people in my life. For and that sure. comes in. Yeah, that's my my partner who again isn't Christian, but he mm-hmm. has elevated my faith to levels I've never expected. And my parents are my confidants and my go-to. We pray together. One yeah. of my best friends, Haven, is extremely spiritual and and essentially Christian. And she, they all call me out on my bullshits, and they love me, and they they really keep me lifted up so that I can go and like continue imparting these messages basically from a really healthy place. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a friend who was part of the TST for a while and, um, still resonates with a lot of that. Um, just, she recently moved here and she's anyway, she's not really part of that here, but she, um, she really helped me to see the church and to see a lot of the, um, some of the toxic, I guess, traditions, not, not so much the messages, um, within the church, but like the, some of the traditions that, uh, she was like, well, why, why go, why, what's your purpose for going to church? And she kind of like, for me, I wanted to be a part of a community that was, you know, spiritual, not at, at least, you know, and something to where I could be a part of, um, people who were like-minded in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I have to be careful because it's easy for me to slip into labels and boxes because it helps me make sense of the world. Um, and she kind of helped me to, uh, to see church as more like, more like therapy and, you know, not like all churches are not like therapy, but to just, she was just kind of having me see that if I need a break from church, like to take it, there are seasons where you go to therapy more often mm-hmm. than others. Um, and <clears throat> there are times where you don't show up and like, you're okay in life and like, you don't need it. And, um, I thought that was really good because it keeps me from, uh, like I've had to be careful not to completely reconstruct because I think there's dangers in, in reconstruction. Um, because where, what, we were saying like where there's labels and where there's, there's names for things. Um, although labels can be very healing cause it can be representation. I also think there's danger and, um, almost closing yourself down into a box. And so I've had to, she's kind of like helped me pace myself when, with like getting back into <laughs> Christian culture. So I, I definitely understand and, and, and get you there. Yeah. I mean, it's so weird. The word submission keeps coming to me again and again, because I, I, I totally hear you. And that's the thing, like the greatest risk we could take is stagnating our faith. And, and like you said, just becoming clear about yeah. what progressive Christianity is and then being like, all right, now we know. Yeah. To me, there's a huge danger in saying, you know, you have to be yeah. submitted to the adventure of life. You have to be submitted to wander and exploration. Yeah. God is about 
keeping your mind ever open, being ever present, like never yep. stop learning, never stop growing and expanding. And, you know, bringing your, your tangible life experiences back to the table over and over again and finding that it's expanded your faith yet again. Yep. And oftentimes in scary ways that other people are afraid to accept, but yeah. you know, it, that's exactly right. Never close that door. Always be submitted to this grand adventure of faith. Yeah. And you also re- reminded me of embodiment. Mm. You know, um, Jamie Lee Finch is wonderful in this yeah. space and I keep mm-hmm. promoting her and I've had two wonderful podcast conversations with her yeah. and she talks about how obviously church vilified our bodies, that our flesh is evil, our heart is deceitful. So we have <clears throat> become disembodied by these evangelical like toxic principles. Yeah. So that what that looked like for me is that when I started God is Gray, I didn't have a church and I felt fine with that because yeah. I knew that I had my spiritual mentors in my personal life and that was okay. But then about a year into it, I started feeling pressure. People were like, what church do you go to? And I was like, oh God, they're they're looking up to me. They're expecting me to give an answer. Mm-hmm. They, they need me to be at church because that's right. what we are supposed to do. Yeah. So I started church shopping and like <laughs> going to a different church every Sunday. And every Sunday I'd wake up like with dread, get a latte, drive there with dread, and then go <laughs> into the church space and find my heart speeds up like 10 times. Right. I feel nauseous. I feel scared of people when they come up to me, like yeah. really unassuming sweethearts coming up to me like, hey, welcome to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, like I'm <laughs> in a haunted house or something. <laughs> yeah. And I was trying to intellectualize my way out of it. I was like, Brenda, you're being ridiculous. Like these are really nice people. They're really well-intentioned. Mm. You know, everything's fine. But disembodiment tells you to ignore that. Whereas in every other area of your life, if I think all of us across the board have been taught if you are walking down a street and all of a sudden your hair stands up on all ends and you feel a sinking in your gut that you have to stop walking down that street and turn around, that something dangerous is happening. Like Mm. we do have an animal instinct inside of us and all our parents, all our priests and pastors would agree to that sentiment. Right. And yet when we experience embodiment in our lives, in our spiritual lives, in our religious lives, we are told your heart's deceitful. Ignore that. Mm. Sit down, shut up, Mm. continue tolerating that because you have to be here. Right. And I didn't actually consciously realize that at the time. I just was like, okay, I feel nauseous and sick every time. I can't take it anymore. I'm going to stop going. And it Mm. wasn't until I talked to Jamie and talked about embodiment where she said that your body is so beautiful. Don't call it an it. Call it a he or she. Yeah. Honor it. And also observe what she is telling you because your body stores up trauma on your behalf. Yeah. So that even if you have a repressed memory that you don't, you know, whatever, and a certain person walks in the room that mm. hurt you when you were five years old and you can't even remember, your body has a response because yeah. your body did you that beautiful service of storing that trauma so that you would know when to run. Yeah. And when she told me that, I was like, oh my God, I have been, my body has been screaming, you are not safe, run, run, run every time I'm in a church space. That doesn't mean those churches weren't safe spaces. It just means my body needed way more healing. I need way more 
you know, growth in my spirituality before I would actually have the strength to walk back in that space again. And, yeah. and arguably there's a really good reason to never walk in those spaces again, exactly. at least not until they represent absolutely everything that is important to me. There's so yeah. many churches that Grace Baldridge exposed in Los Angeles that like saying, welcome everyone, that right. like saying they're affirming, but mm. they're affirming in that God made you gay, but you can't act out on that. Right. So it's just mm. like, there are so many spaces that say they're safe and they're not. And my body screams. So I listen to her now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I they're love safe that. for the people that agree with them. Yeah. I think is, is the thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh-huh. and, and, um, our church uh, it, it's called Grace Point and it's, it is very inclusive and very open, even like, um, the message is, you know, I think the little motto or whatever it is, is mm-hmm. life is a mystery or um, God is a mystery to be explored in life, something like that. And anyway, it very much encourages like growth and um, kind of like evolution of your spiritual self. And that's why I'm like, I can be there. There's there's agnostics, agnostics who go to the church. There are Buddhists who go to the church. And um, I have to like, I definitely have my own almost imposter syndromes when I'm there mm. because there's a lot of, um, cause even though it is extremely open minded and progressive, um, there are like, like trauma triggers that happen even in my like body, mm. um, mm-hmm. that like, I'll, I don't know something I don't even can't ever always like label exactly what was said or done, or it could just be a natural thing that just happens. But I'll get like imposter syndrome because, um, I'm like, well, at the end of the day, like sometimes the only thing I really know is like, well, there probably is a God (laughs) and, you know, and I'm like, I, I am attending this church and I'm, I'm very involved. And, um, but I just have to remind myself that that we're in a place that it's very much okay, but I definitely do have those trigger like responses like uh, when one of the first times we went there, we we had walked in and, and realized how how accepting and affirming everything was, and and yet you still had I was like shaking. Um, uh, yeah, you still had such traumatic responses where you were like shaking, wow. and um, it was really cool to see when you walked in there with shorts. Is what it? Oh it yeah, was, is what it was. For one you. day I would challenge I challenged myself because that's just like who I am. I was like, I just want to see like almost like how far I can take this. Can I wear shorts at this church? Um, and yeah, I was like so shaky because for, I guess you don't really know much of my story, but in the Christian music industry, a lot of my trauma was purity culture stuff. And, um, so wearing shorts into church, like I wouldn't even be able to imagine that before. And so Mm -hmm. going into church and wearing shorts, I was just super shaky and all of that. And obviously it ended up being fine. Nobody looked like twice at me. Nobody said anything, but it was like a challenge. And then I get to um, basically re retrain my brain and kind of accept myself in my like childlike state. Um, reparent that those like traumas and those so I can like heal and um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely resonate with that. And I don't think pressuring anybody to go into church is something that's not something that we encourage at all, um, on this podcast. Yeah. You're, um, I actually interviewed your pastor. His name's Josh, right? Yeah. yeah. Josh. Yeah. Okay. So I have an interview coming out. I think I'll probably put it out next month. Oh, um, amazing. 
Yeah, so I I absolutely love what he's doing, and I do think that is such a beautiful space. And if that existed here, I would absolutely love to go. And it doesn't, as far as I know, mm, which right. is crazy because LA is supposedly so progressive in right. general. But um, but you're reminding me. I also just did an interview with Dr. Tina Sellers. Oh yeah, um, we did too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool, great, <laughs> lots of crossover. Yeah, so she was talking about healing from um, sexual assault and trauma and that how one of the practices of doing so is to have your safe, loving partner, you know, that you are doing mutual masturbation. You're actually having sex to heal from sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that actually might like, I feel like that's what you're going through in that church. I don't have that opportunity here because that church doesn't exist. Right. I can only imagine it's exactly all of that retraining yourself, learning how to trust again, learning yep. how to like be embodied while being there so that you still have your sensors up and you're still honoring yourself, mm. but you're still allowing that healing to come in and to reframe what church actually is yeah. in that space. Exactly. It's been, it's been a whirlwind um, for sure. And you know, when I was recently talking to Grace, she used the words for you, like you were in the trenches when we were like talking about your advocacy and your activist work through God is Gray. And I agree. Um, I feel like there really isn't anyone, not many people um, that I know of who have remained close to their Christian faith after deconstructing while making response videos to other people. Like in particular, <laughs> you you engage with conversation with other Christians still living with a more conservative viewpoint. And I personally think that that is incredibly brave of you. And I just, I wonder like, why there is a stigma around calling out other Christians. I mean, you do so gracefully and humbly, but with all the denominations out there, like you would think we wouldn't be scared. We would not be scared to disagree openly, but that's, I think that's where the problem is. So many things are not discussed openly, but Mm -hmm. I think you're, I mean, you are doing that. And why do you think like, why are we not doing more of that? Why is it so scary to have open dialogue amongst Christians? Well, again, at some point, and I don't know when, um, the powers that be like whoever decided that our church would be built on fear and shame, even though that's the opposite of what the Bible called us to. Yeah. Um, if you are, like, I think if you're building your church on fear and shame, then you really need rules and regulations to figure out how to keep honoring God and keep honoring each other. And people then start making lists. Like I can give them a hand job and not a blow job. And I can, you know, go to church on Sundays, but every once in a while I can skip a Wednesday. And it's just like rules, rules, lists, lists. And it it stops you from being remotely intuitive about your spiritual life or or how you're navigating Mm. just your day to day. Um, And so something I learned fairly recently, like over the last year or so, is the way that um, Jewish people handle the Torah, how they don't have purity culture and how they see the Torah, which for anyone that doesn't know is the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Um, They handle it with curiosity and exploration and they actually have like lively conversations between rabbis where they're like, yelling at each other over the text but in a very loving way like no it means this no it means that and it's they really perceive it to be the way it was supposed to be yeah pete n says the same thing about his interpretation of the bible he wrote 
a couple great books. One of them is For the Bible Tells Me So. Another is How the Bible Actually Works. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how the Bible is an ancient, ambiguous text mm. and that is ever evolving, ever changing, and that it like it lives and breathes. Mm-hmm. And when you get stuck on those rules and regulations and fear and the black and whites, then all of a sudden you stagnate the text, you turn it black and white, and you think that it's over and you know. And like you were saying a minute ago, when you know, that's when you really get into trouble because it leaves no room for humility and it leaves no room for grace for yeah. other people's thoughts. And, um, and us, like, you know, I feel like so many of us entered the evangelical church when we were in our teens and those were such impressionable years where we were like coming into our sexuality. We were coming into our own confidence as people. And in that confidence, we were told you can be confident. You can know these things about God. And that was totally wrong. And the way that it manifests now, fast forward is, um, (laughs) Allie B. Stucky, condescending Mm, me and you know and just making fun of what I'm saying with her condescending voice yep and I try to say that with all the love possible because I think (laughs) if I saw her in person I would just walk up to her and be like hey girl like what's up like (laughs) you you are ridiculous for coming at me with condescension like I forgive you I love you but can you drop that little sassy voice that you're giving me and actually have a conversation because this isn't doing any any good for right. me you or our collective audience yeah. who's this helping like, yeah who's this helping so you get propped up another day you and I'm sorry I'm not specifically talking about her anymore but like when you come in with that knowing and that condescension then all of a sudden your only reward is like oh cool I I got to put my voice in the world and let people know that I know yet again mm. but Right. What you've done is further alienate people and what you've done is further shut people down and shut people up that actually have cognitive dissonance about really legit things. Like, yeah. how come it hurts my soul so profoundly when I can't attend my best friend's gay wedding? Mm. How come right. it makes my skin crawl when I have to submit to this weird thing my husband is telling me God told him that I have to do? Like, yep you know, you can't be in that place of knowing it has to be wonder. And in that wonder conversation, like I just talked to this other YouTuber, Lizzie Answers. Mm. She's the very first YouTuber that I reached out to that actually agreed to have a public conversation with me or a private civilized conversation for that matter. And um, I learned so much. It expanded my mind so beautifully. I had so many misconceptions about the Catholic church and how evil I think it is. And she really like took me down a path of compassion for her religious practice and how she does it. And guess what? I didn't walk away shaky. I didn't walk away having no idea who I was anymore. If God exists, I walked away the exact opposite with more knowledge and with more Mm. confidence that I believe what I believe. And that's your reward for having an open heart to other people. Like Jesus said, the greatest commandment of all is love. And right. yet we take the path of the Pharisees and, and yell at each other over doctrine. Right. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm very thankful. And I know so many people are so thankful for everything that you do on God is Gray. And just as a human being, because like I said, your humanity comes through as well. You do such a good job with keeping yourself a real human being um, on podcasts and your YouTube channel. Um, and it just keeps, it keeps, 
I don't know, growing in a way. You mean a sinner? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I mean. Um, yeah, no, I just, I just mean like you, you are, you're very real. And I love that you are confident to enough to talk to other people, especially people who are more on the conservative side of things. Cause that I'm sure can be so, it is so triggering for so many people, especially those who have deconstructed and you just do so with um, such grace and humility. So I just give you true kudos there and um, thank you for everything you. you do. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, just in case anybody has not heard of Brenda and God is Great before, um, make sure you go check her out. We've been saying it over and over, her YouTube channel is God is Gray, and her podcast <laughs> is God is Gray, and um, everything else. Your Twitter, I, th- I think, is God is Gray XO, right? I'm pretty sure. I think. I'm so bad at Twitter, but yes. Yes. <laughs> you can find, just look up God is Gray, and you'll find her everywhere. <laughs> um, we're really excited. Do you have any idea about when your book would be coming out? No, not really. To be not honest, yet. it's 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 due in June. I have a baby, so I'm I'm trying so hard to right. meet that deadline. Um, <laughs> yep. But yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that you'd be waiting over two years. Hopefully, in the next, you know, year, year and a half or so, there'll be progress, and I'll get to share it with everybody. Amazing. Well, we are. It is highly anticipated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you guys for listening. Until next time. Bye.